0: it's definitely deteriorating in the fact that not even athletes but anybody growing up in this generation you know girls are supposed to look a certain way guys are supposed to look a certain way and if they cross over you know society will look at you and be like "Mm, we, we don't really like that you know can you go back to you know being in the conformed box that we put you in Hi, my name is Jamie Duningracia. Gracia. I'm a grade 12 at Bill Crothers. My number is 22. I play striker and you're listening to At
1: The 55. Hello and welcome to At The 55, your home for OUA football. Today we're continuing with our series of interviews that we like to call The Talk. And joining us today, we're switching it up from our normal routine. Joining us, we have Jamie Gracia. Jamie, how are you doing today?
0: I'm doing great. How are you doing?
1: You know, we're hanging in there, we're doing doing what we can. Uh, So this is a a change of pace for us for a few reasons. I'd say the most notable one, a little bit of change of sport here. Uh, You're a soccer player, you're committed to, where is it you're you're playing next year?
0: California State University, Bakersfield.
1: Taking her talents out to the West Coast, that's awesome, congratulations, Jamie. Um, But you know, sports in many ways, sports are sports many ways sports aren't sports with this being uh you like that one eh dakota no Um, i don't (laughs) with this obviously being more of a football centric podcast can we just sort of get your story um playing soccer growing up kind of getting to where you are because i imagine a lot of people listening might not be familiar with you so just to share your journey to where you are right now
0: yeah of course okay so i'm 17 i go to bill crothers i'm in grade 12 uh soccer for me I my parents like regular you know child put me into all these different sports at a young age the Timbit soccer the you know little Jersey League um, and they also put me in gymnastics and skiing and all these different sports and I don't know soccer always kind of stuck with me um, it's just been something that I can take my Anger or take my stress out or anything that I'm feeling that day like I just go onto the pitch and I like forget about all my problems and I forget about everything and In that moment, it's just like I'm here to play soccer and that's all I'm thinking about. So it's kind of escape for reality to me as well. Um, I've been playing elite since I was, I'd say, the age of 10 and recently in november i just committed to california university state bakersfield on a full ride scholarship so that's kind of good so i don't have to pay for anything but um yeah that's pretty much me
1: that's unreal and you know congratulations again for for getting that scholarship um you know we talk a lot in ha- having these conversations with with players about the effects of recruiting and how that part of the culture of football can perhaps have some negative effects on a player in the terms of the recruiting game with soccer, what's that environment? Like, is there kind of the wine and dine? And of course this past year being pandemic, it was no doubt different from any other year you would have been able to experience uh recruiting, but in, in the field of women's soccer, what's that rec- the recruiting game? Like,
0: yeah, It's definitely a different environment altogether. I think for any sport though it's a little bit toxic and the parents are very toxic. I'm not gonna you know sugarcoat it. It's a different ball game but with the recruiting process it's really on a team. A lot of my teammates I just left um, a previous academy and a lot of my teammates were very jealous or very, you know, selfish in the ways when it came to showcasing our talents. So we go down to like North Carolina and we wouldn't be a team anymore. We'd just be that one single player trying to show off to all, you know, all the coaches. But my thought process is if I'm not a team player and I'm not, you know, passing the ball and I'm not, you know, trying to do everything by myself, coaches won't want that. Um, but yeah, it's definitely a different environment when a lot when it comes to the recruiting process when you know my teammates are like oh like you know have you heard from this coach or you know what's your dream school or stuff like that and if my ambitions are bigger than you know other kids or I'm getting more offers and stuff like that a lot of the kids do kind of shut me out or they're like you know they don't want to they don't want to you know talk to me or they they're kind of jealous of me and I'm like don't be jealous of me because maybe I could help you with the process or something like that like work harder maybe yeah, exactly. I did get a lot of offers. I got 17 full scholarship offers uh, before I committed, and I would talk to my teammates about it, and they'd just be like, "I don't want to talk about it. I don't want to hear about it because they're getting, you know, three three scholarships and they're not even full." And I'm like, "That's not my fault. I'm just trying <laughs> to like, you asked, but like, okay, but yeah, it's definitely it's, it's something else to say the least."
2: Um, and just first of all, congratulations. I mean, we already say congrats on on the commit, but you know, seventeen minor flex right there. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so so stepping away necessarily just from the teammates um, because, and this is no shot at younger people, but I mean, you're not fully mentally developed until you're well past our ages. So I mean, they don't know how to process you know their feelings and stuff. But let's look at I don't even want to touch the touch the, the parents because that's a whole other thing in every single sport. But let's let's talk about the coaches and kind of what the pressure is like. Um, having them I don't I don't obviously I don't know what it's like for soccer but I mean for football you know they'll call you they'll text you and then maybe if you're out with one one other one will call you while you're out with that one it's kind of like let me you know you're, you're 17 right I'm a, I'm a kid let me just chill you know film yeah. my tiktoks no shot of your tiktoks but film my tiktoks play my video games have fun like at the end of the day you're still a kid and and they're ma- like the pressure of making it kind of that business mentality so fast so quick
0: yeah exactly in grade nine you're allowed to start talking to coaches but you can't like fully commit until you're in your junior year which is grade 11 so that kind of gives us the process to talk to the coaches and to say like really develop like who like who you have that relationship with as a coach because that what I looked for uh, specifically is like a strong established relationship with the team Um, but yeah like you can you're allowed to talk to the coaches you're allowed to go down on unofficial visits but the official visits where they you know pay on their dime they bring you in you know you're allowed to look at the the schools you can train with the team for two days and then they fly you back out um i had my five you're only allowed five official visits i had my five lined up before the april break um that i get in high school And unfortunately Corona did (laughs) take away all of my official visits. And the biggest thing for me also was visual, like visually seeing the school. Like I can't look at a photo and be like, oh yeah, like I want to go here. I want to see the campus. I want to see where I'm living for the next four years. I couldn't do that. Um, So the next best thing with COVID and all that, I had a zoom call with um, my top five schools and they kind of said, you know, here's what we're going to offer. You know, you're going to start first year. You're going to, you know, get a full ride and all that stuff. So it really came down to who I thought, who I could see myself playing for, for the next four years. And that was California State.
2: I mean, I'm, I'm sure the weather had a little bit to play into that as well. Maybe just, the well, so a lot of the people we've had on, on the show and whether it's this segment or any segment is obviously football players, but usually in their last couple of years of playing you sports or even CFL, we've got an NFL guy coming up um, and they kind of talk about, you know, what they do differently. If they could go back and talk, what's kind of your plan? I mean, there there's ideas where, you know, get that mentorship with like the older person or, you know, don't separate yourself from the team. Like what's your kind of plan right now? Obviously it's going to change and develop as you go through, you know, your playing career, but going in, like you're moving far away from home. You're, you're in Markham, right? Yes. Yes. You're moving far away from home, no matter how beautiful California is, that's far away from home. So you're already separating yourself from your family, unless you have family out there. What's kind of your plan to not just kind of turn in on yourself?
0: Yeah, it's definitely going to be a change, especially because my mom's my mom and my dad are my best friends. Um, But I just see myself going down to California and not only enjoying the weather and the scenery but I'm playing a sport that I love among my teammates who also love the sport so that's what kind of keeps me going in my drive is the fact that the, another reason why I committed to California State is because my coach said to me on on the zoom call he said we're not only trying to make a team a winning team but we're trying to make a family within the community. And that's what stuck with me because my family morals and values are so high. And I love the fact that he said, we're trying to make a family. So I just look at California um, and the team being my family away from home and my parents can come and watch me, you know, but that's going to be my family for the next four years. And that's who I can depend on. And yeah,
2: that's, that's great. And I mean, hope for your sake that it's actually, you know, turns into that family stepping outside of the sport um, just a little bit. Have you looked into the school kind of in what their resources are, not only as a student athlete, but just as a student in general? Um, and let's let's move away from, you know, the, the physiotherapy and the, the workouts, um, even the academic counseling. Just have you looked into if there's any resources for if you do kind of, you know, have those really bad days or do kind of develop something that you need a professional to kind of help you with?
0: Yeah, definitely. Um, I well, to start off with, in academics, I have an IEP, which means basically I have a learning disability. I have dyscalculia, which nobody really knows what it is. It's basically uh, dyslexia, but with like numbers and math. Um, Fun. So I talked to yeah, we love not being great at math. <laughs> but I said to my coach, I said, you know, taking tests and stuff like that. Like, if I do need help, like, is there resources and um, they do have like they have personal tutors for the team um, they also have guidance 24-7 support uh, support staff and on the team there's also psychologists not even just sports psychologists but just like life psychology in general just to help us through um, California State is also uh, unique in the way they have a service line that you can text and someone can come to your dorm and I don't know it's kind of different now because of COVID But uh, like uh, a service staff member can come to your dorm and be like, just talk with you. Just sit and talk. And I do that with my mom. She's kind of my support (laughs) system. So it's going to be good, even though I don't have my mom and I can pick up the phone and call her. I can call someone and be like, hey, you know, I just like to talk. So, yeah, they have a lot of support systems and stuff like that.
1: I mean, that's awesome to hear, because as Dakota alluded to, we've spoken with a number of players. Dakota went to Western, I went to Guelph, and so outside of the resources that we were experienced uh, or we experienced, and that's, of course, a few years ago, we won't talk actual numbers because it'll make (laughs) us feel older than uh, I've already embarrassed myself uh, in doing, but in talking with people from other programs, it seems like there are some facilities, but from the sounds of it, that is a really great, um, some really great resources they're providing you for um, at Cal State. Uh, you know when you were kind of talking about some of the competition w- with teammates and in the recruiting process and all that it's you know it, it's 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 no secret as unfortunate as it is that, that in women's sports funding is is lacking uh, yeah. when you compare it with men's sports and as a quick anecdote a good friend of mine in high school she had a full ride scholarship to play hockey at i believe it was Wayne State i think it was in in Michigan and right up till and she was supposed to go the program got shut down just oh. completely um she ended up all right she represented team korea in the olympics a few years ago she she did all right for herself but okay. I'm, I'm curious and obviously that's hockey and so maybe it's different in soccer and of course canada and the states and all that but it, because it, as unfortunate as it, women's sports sometimes take or a lot of the time take the back seat especially financially to the men's programs do you think that maybe drives some of the competition where there's a, almost a scarcity of maybe some of those top positions where maybe in, in men's sports, you don't have that, or it, I don't know, what's your take on that?
0: Yeah, it's definitely, I keep on reverting back to the same, but it's a definitely a different ball game um, with women's sports. Um, the numbers for Fulbright scholarships uh, in the States is very limited as well. Um, so I'm just, I'm just lucky that I had, you know, the pure talent and the skills and stuff that I was allowed to acquire that. But it is definitely a very deteriorating place to know and to keep wondering, like, oh, my God, like, am I going to be able to financially afford this if I don't get a full scholarship? Because from a couple of the other bigger um, offers that I had or the bigger schools, uh, I did have an offer from uh, Harvard and their Ivy League. And Harvard said, you know, they don't give out full scholarships. There's ways around it. And you can, you know, apply for, you know, bursaries or um Get scholarship money, but you're still paying a hefty amount, and especially if it's an American. So I'm like, go to you know one of the best schools in the world, but pay more, or go to you know a smaller school and get a full scholarship. And to me, it was it really came down to the money part. Not that you know we're financially you know unstable at, in the Ingrassia house, but I've always thought to myself, I want to repay my parents um for the countless hours that they put in from waking up at 3am in the morning to drive me to you know or you know driving 12 o'clock at night coming home from practice because for seven years i played out in durham which was about 45 minutes, you know, with traffic and winter and stuff, maybe an hour and a half to get home. And I've always said to myself, I want to repay them for everything that they've done and all the countless hours they've put into me. So that's where it really came down for me.
1: I mean, that that's awesome. That That's so great to be able to have that opportunity. You, you know, talking about football again, real quick, there's historically, traditionally been a conversation about the culture sometimes in the locker room and it's not always the healthiest in terms of on a number of fronts and no doubt in the conversation of mental health and just uh, some of the conversations that people have uh, can obviously be hard for other people to be uh, adjacent to, or to, to overhear. I'm wondering, is that something that you've experienced playing soccer growing up? Is there any type of uh, locker room environment that's, you know, and I come from a completely ignorant position of not really knowing much about women's soccer so it just completely enlightened me about it like any perception of locker room being a a a toxic environment or anything along those lines
0: yeah um the locker room is definitely something that (laughs) if you recorded our conversations our coach would be very mad at us Um, Because at times we do get, you know, quite heated at each other and we do, you know, we're still developing, we're still learning. We're all like 17, 18 years old. And the fact that, you know, someone makes a mistake or it's a big game, we will turn the blame on people. Um, I myself do get very passionate in the game. So I have said some pretty (laughs) not great stuff to my teammates in the moment. But I think we all realize that we're just so passionate about the sport and we're so into you know, wanting to do our best and, you know, uh, make our, make our parents proud and make, you know, progress in the sport. And the fact that we've realized, you know, yeah, we said it in the moment, but you know, we didn't actually mean it. So in the locker room, you know, maybe after a game or after a practice that didn't go well, we'll just, we have like this little kind of debrief. So we do like a five minute, just like, you know, what we thought about this session and stuff and our coach isn't there to kind of mediate so we can just speak our mind without having to worry or censor ourselves. So that's kind of, that's kind of cool. And yeah, but it's definitely something that a lot of people, I don't know, the locker room is is just a different place and it's a place to speak our mind. Sometimes it's good, sometimes it's bad, but, um, in the end, we all know we have an ultimate goal of winning. So whether we hate each other or whether, you know, we're best friends, we just know the ultimate goal is to win and to do our best as a team instead of individually.
1: No doubt. And, you know, we've all been there in terms of just the the emotion, and the passion, the sport and, uh, you know, into different layers. It can obviously um, spill into to, to different things. But you mentioned sort of when we first started talking just about the emotions playing in sport and just kind of connecting with that passion again and, and just trying to make this connection with mental health, with the sport this year in particular, where sports were completely taken away from us or in some circumstances just really limited. What sort of outlets did you turn to to be able to channel that emotion? Because I know for a lot myself and a lot of folks we've talked to in terms of when they hang up the cleats or or whatever it might be for that sport, not only do you lose this piece of your identity, but you also lose this mechanism that is so therapeutic in its own right that even if it's not really solving the problem, the underlying issue perhaps, it's just a great outlet. So in this year where perhaps your your soccer schedule wasn't as filled up as it may have been in other years what types of things have you turned to to be able to channel that
0: yeah well with mental health it's something you know we can't overlook anymore and a lot of people have put athletes on pedestals and say like you know you only show you know your best games you never show what you're feeling inside or you know stuff like that and it's a topic that we have to bring up every day now because no matter if you're an athlete or not you know you have those emotions and you have that you know You have that feeling so it should never be bottled up inside but oh god okay when quarantine started i was completely down in the dumps like my mental health deteriorated to the point where i ended up in the hospital and it was not a good scene and i think it was because sports were my way to cope and Like I said before, I could just go out on the field and I could play my heart out and I wouldn't have to think about stuff, you know, going on in my personal life. Um, How I dealt with it, (laughs) probably not the best thing in quarantine, but when we did get out in the summer and things kind of started to relax, I actually, okay little backstory, we're gonna go into a little story time. So I, with my basketball team for high school, um, we went to this leadership conference and the former uh, Toronto Argonauts CFL Hall of Famer, Damon Allen was there and he was a speaker and he was actually assigned to our group. And knowing my, my friend on the team, knowing that I was the kicker for the guys football team on my high school, And I was also, you know, the leading scorer in uh, flag football for my high school. I had many clips on my Instagram and stuff like that. My friend, knowing that, she goes up to Damon Allen and she pulls my arm and she's like, you know, this girl, she's the kicker and the number one scorer in flag football. (laughs) And I'm like, what are you doing? This guy like doesn't care. He's (laughs) he's a hall of famer. He doesn't care who I am. And like, he was so genuine and down to earth. And he's like, yeah, like show me some of your clips. That's so cool. So I was like wait a minute, this, this guy wants, he's talking to me? Okay. Um, so I showed him some clips and he said, you know, we have a pro- women's, well, not professional, but we have a, you know, we have a, a touch football team with women's and me and a former uh, CFL and NFL player, Anthony Cannon, um, we run that. And I'm like, oh, sweet, cool. And he's like, yeah, you should come and try out. I'm like, women's team, touch, say less. So I actually went out um, in the summer with them and we just scrimmaged and played and it took one practice and he's like, yeah, you're on the team. And I'm like, sweet. Um, So that was kind of my way of coping, even though I didn't have soccer, I had football to rely on. So we did, uh, we practiced in Mississauga, which is like 45 minutes away. We trained at Um, Canon's weight room facility and even though we still had to wear masks and we still had to social distance it was still that social interaction in the fact that I'm not isolated in my room that I had so yeah and we were pretty good too we ended up going to nationals and we uh, came third so honestly like that's where I kind of confided in my teammates even though they were like all 30 and I'm 17 and they're like what the heck like it didn't feel like that they just accepted me for who I was and they praised me for you know my skills on the football field and we just gelled together so that's who I kind of relied on in the time of not being able to play soccer
1: so you know so now, there's, a bit, there's a bit of a of age gap between Dakota and I and yourself and we don't need to go into the numbers again I'm not mm-hmm. going to talk numbers on this show but Classified information. <laughs> for Dakota and I growing up social media kind of came into our lives probably, I don't know, probably middle school, early high school age, I think. Does that seem about right, Dakota? Facebook was grade nine for me. Yeah, that sounds about right. Now, you're obviously smiling and giggling at that because I imagine for yourself, social media has been an integral part of your life, or at least just the culture around you, probably, since you could be aware of what social media was. And there's obviously in the past few years, it's become more of a conversation of the effect of social media on mental health on, for young people, especially. And, you know, of course, in the world of sports, people are posting stuff because, you know, we want the coaches and the recruits to see all of you know our great highlights, even if it's just a random clip from a practice, whatever it may be. How have you felt navigating that environment growing up and being a high profile athlete? Does, has it presented challenges for you or has it just been sort of it's so part of your life that you don't really notice it as a thing?
0: Yeah, I have a love-hate relationship with uh, social media. Like sometimes I'm like, yeah, like it's cool. Like I'm on here. I have, you know, uh, 45,000 followers on TikTok and I'm like, I'm so cool, you know, I'm famous or Um, but then there's a side of it that is just ugly. And I've done so many essays, so many blog posts for school. Like if we had to, if we just had to make an essay, I always revert back to social media and how deteriorating is it for this generation and the future generations. The idea of society, they have the idea of, you know, gender uh, norms or the fact that it's like idolism of the perfect body type. And for me as an athlete i know i struggle with body issues if i have you know uh you know uh, stronger thighs or you know i have more muscle in my arms and girls are supposed to be you know the tiny waist and you know stick figure and perfect body and stuff like that but i have a more muscular body because i play sports and because i work out and i see all these you know instagram influencers and they're like oh you know try my workout i'll you'll get skinny in three seconds and i'm like that's that's not how it works um so it's definitely deteriorating in the fact that not even athletes but anybody growing up in this generation you know girls are supposed to look a certain way guys are supposed to look a certain way and if they cross over you know society will look at you and be like "Mm, we, we don't really like that you know can you go back to you know being in the conformed box that we put you in um, I definitely think it's getting better, and a lot of people are breaking the societal norms, but it has a long way to go. Um, my relationship with it is, with sports, it actually helped me a lot, because there's this platform that I use called Sports Recruit. And what we would do is, you know, we it's kind of like huddle for football, but for soccer, or for any sport, actually. And we could search up a school, it would come up with the coach, the assistant coach, the you know trainers anybody it show a little bit about the school what majors they have and you could email them directly on that and you know just like anything basically and you know sometimes they get back to you and if you post a highlight video as well they could show you that they viewed your profile or the, your highlight video so it was kind of cool you know getting a text and saying you know harvard looked at your profile or texas a m viewed your highlight video and i'm like whoa that's pretty cool like they're they're interested in me and yeah so in the The social media aspect, I feel like it can help you in many ways, but you also need to distance yourself. And for the future generations, I weep for them because they're basically born with a phone in their hand rather than a baby bottle of milk. Um, And I I just hope that we take social media in the direction of helping each other rather than breaking each other down because the world's a scary place and we don't need social media to define that. So yeah.
2: Oh, I, I definitely agree. I mean, I, I hate social media. um, And I know that's rich because I'm the one that runs our social media. I'm the one that went to school for social media marketing, but that kind of makes me hate it even more in the sense where I think the biggest thing, not even like not having people on social media, but teaching them that, excuse my language, it's a bunch of bull crap really. I mean, the stuff that people post, that's, that's not real. That's not who they are no one's 100% genuine on social media so we got to take it at you know we can't take it at that you know seeing this oh this person's working out they're always working out they i now i'm bad cuz i'm not working out or i mean just obviously congrats on the the people that looked at you but even the flip of that being like if i if i was playing soccer oh you know no schools are looking at me i'm worthless like that's not the fact you know i mean the the matter of the fact is coaches have to look at thousands and thousands and thousands of tape and, and people get missed and that's just the reality and we just, we can't put our own values into apps, no matter what the app is, even if it's, yeah. it's a fitness tracking app, a diet app, a social media app, any app, we can't put our life's values into that. So no question. I just, I hate social media, yeah. <laughs> even though I'm no, on I, it, way too, even though I'm on it way too much. I I still hate it.
0: Yeah. That's why I say it's the love-hate like I would love to say like yeah I don't have TikTok or I don't have Instagram and I can be happy without that but that's where I get most of my news that's where I contact with my friends and like I I would love to say like I don't use them but I, I physically cannot live without them and it's something that's just oh god it, it's a whole different world and like you said with social media they're only posting what other people want to see so yeah, I have all these posts about me being happy, but am I happy 24 seven? No, sometimes I wake up and I just physically, mentally, and you know, I'm emotionally exhausted and I can't get out of bed some days. And it's something that I'm working towards and something that I need to learn how to deal with and how to, you know, get better. But it's, it's definitely, you know, showcasing that side of you that oh, I only want people to see, you know, the happy side of me. And, uh, I am, I praise the people who go on social media and say, this is me, this is who I am. I struggle with depression or I struggle with anxiety and stuff like that. And it's, we're working towards it, but like I said, it has a long way to go.
1: No doubt. Uh, and real quick, Dakota, never stop running our social media, please, <laughs> please don't make me have to do that again. But, uh, you know, to to what you mentioned, though, before we kind of got onto that, though, the, the component of just, you know, for a, a young boy, young man going into, say, football, where the perception for a guy, you know, going back to the idea of sort of body types and all that is, you know, oh, put on muscle, be a big dude or whatever. And that actually yeah. conforms, you know, fairly well with what your goals may be in the sport of football as well. And then and so kind of tie back into that, I was just curious in terms of what the stereotype for you know as a teenage girl is in terms of what you ought to look like compared to the training you do for your your sports is that like is there a conflict in that or is it kind of understood that like well you you know you're playing your sports, so it's it's a little different or is it all just the same like you like you're just seen as a a woman regardless of that well you're also a soccer player too
0: um it's definitely different in the sense that like women athletes are supposed to look a certain way as well. um The biggest thing is like if you cut your hair short, you're a lesbian, basically, because you play sports and you know you have you know a bulk body and you know you lift weights and stuff like that. Like, um I actually another little story time. I was work. I work out every day. um At high school, we had a plyometrics room. We also had a weight room, and we were we had. Um, we had fitness plans we had to do for, uh, for football, for football season with the boys. And like, yes, I would get my own locker room and stuff like that. Cause I couldn't be in the guys change room, but I got a different plan than all of the guys. And I, I said, my, I said to my coach, I was like, you know, why am I not lifting as much as the guys? or why, why do I not have the same you know weight amount of the guys? And basically the trainer said, you know, you're a girl and I respect that, but you can't lift as much as the guys, or you can't, You know, it was always the sentence he started with, you can't. And I was like, you know, try me, like, give me the plan. Let me try at least. Don't just assume that since I'm a girl, I can't do something more than a guy can. And I proved it to them. And I, you know, I was, I did pretty much the same workout as them. And the same thing when it came to running, we had to run a 5k and I came first and I'm just, all the boys were like sweating and like dying behind me. And I'm like, yeah, like, let's go again. And the coach was like, how do you have this much energy? And I was just like, I have something to prove. I wake up every day and I'm fueled off the hatred and the doubt that people give me. And I just, I turn around and say, yeah, like watch me. I can do whatever I want and don't tell me I can't because I can. And how I actually got on the guys football team, I wasn't even planning on doing it. Like I went to watch because I love football so much and there wasn't really going on that day. I was in like leggings and a hoodie and like Air Force Ones and my flag coach was also one of the coaches on the boys team so I went to watch and he's like what are you doing and I'm like oh like I'm just here to watch whatever and he's like no like get on the field I'm like what and he's like yeah like get on the field and I'm like there's no other girl here why the heck would I get on the field um they didn't have any equipment or helmets yet so I walked on and all the boys are staring they're like what the heck is a girl doing here um I proved my worth to them when we were doing like thud and tackle drills and like 1v1s and stuff like I would not be afraid to tackle a guy but um one guy was just like yo like I don't I don't want to go up against a girl I don't want to tackle a girl so I paired up with the coach's son and the coach's son tried to 1v1 me I was the running back carrying the ball and I completely broke his ankles and he fell on the ground right in front of his dad, who was the other coach. And he was just like, you just got beat by a girl, get the hell out of this drill. And it was really funny, but getting on the team, it was definitely different since I was a girl, like my nicknames was princess or Rapunzel. Cause my long blonde hair would stick out at the back of my helmet or whenever, you know, I go to kick and then I go off the field, I take my helmet off and all the guys on the other team are calling like, yo, number 16, you're a chick, you know, you're so hot and stuff like that. And I'm like, I'm not here to get catcalled. I'm here to put points up against your team. So might want to shut your mouth and start running the ball into the end zone. So, yeah.
1: Of all the dumbest chirps I've I've heard, and I've heard a lot playing uh, a number of years of sports, just someone straight up yelling from the other sideline, hey, you're a chick probably takes the cake for the dumbest thing I can imagine someone saying. Um, but I mean, no doubt that that must have been difficult. But, uh, you know, as you ima- as you mentioned, the way you've kind of channeled the emotion into your sports, in some ways, I imagine it fueled you. But as well with this conversation, being able to balance that emotion in ways when we don't necessarily have our sports is what makes us just overall well-rounded human beings and just what we can all strive for in our lives. Um Jamie, thank you so much for joining us and talking about your story. You mentioned that you're starting up a podcast, though. Uh, plug the shit out of it. What's
2: yeah. what, what's
1: the deal with that? Um,
0: it's called the Somewhat Sophisticated Podcast because you never know. It's like a box of chocolates. You never know what you're going to get. Sometimes we're talking about sophisticated stuff, and then sometimes we're talking about the somewhat. But. Stay tuned for that. I'll be posting about that. And yeah, thank you so much for having me. I love talking about sports and I love talking about me. That's a little bit narcissistic, but I'm just, if I could get my message out to anybody is don't let anybody, you know, tell you you can't do something. Just turn around, throw the finger up in their face and say, yeah, I can do it. Try me and never stop believing in yourself. So yeah, thank you so much for having me. It's been amazing.
1: No, anytime you want to come on, uh, it's been a pleasure. Take care, Jamie.